filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the filibuster freestyle. It's been a little while. It's your buddy Gavin, and I've been on the road a lot for business, mainly, for some fun as well. Coast to coast, literally, saw the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean this week in my travels. So it's been a little while, and um, this will be the final podcast, final filibuster freestyle, that I will do as your host in my 30s. Buried the lead there. It's not the final, (laughs) definitely not the final freestyle. We'll get more into that later. But I turned 40 this coming Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Um, and that's wild. (laughs) It is wild to be 40 years old, Uh, and I'm not even there yet. I got six days left, five days left, but wild because I remember vividly attending my father's 40th birthday party. Um, I don't recall attending my mother's because nobody knows how old she is. She um, is very coy about her actual age. So I probably did attend my mother's 40th birthday party. It just wasn't officially known to probably anybody besides my father, her actual 40th birthday party. But I digress. Looking forward to turning 40 because it's better than the alternative, as they say. Um, One of the favors you can do for me, for the podcast, for my birthday, a present, if you will, it costs you basically nothing besides a little bit of time and very little effort. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the podcast, to the Filibuster Freestyle on Apple Podcasts. Just go on Apple Podcasts, search for Filibuster Freestyle, and subscribe. That'd be fantastic. Number two, if you're on Twitter, if you like Twitter, feel free to follow me at Gavin Viano. It's my name. It's pretty easy. And tell a friend or two to check out the podcast, to check out the Filibuster Freestyle. And if they like it, they too can consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or following me on Twitter at Gavin Viano. Anyway, places listening before we get into the big, the big topic of the day. And by the way, this is a solo dolo on my own, true filibuster, filibuster freestyle, okay? So no guests to be alarmed by or excited for, just yours truly. Um, places listening in the last week or two, the number two place for a while after the U.S. was Turkey. Interesting, actually, now that I think about it. I'll get back to that in a minute. Number three was Mexico. Number four was Spain. The UK, Russia, Colombia, Philippines, Ireland, Germany, Egypt, India, France, Bangladesh, Switzerland, the Dominican Republic, Libya, Senegal, Belgium, and more all listened. Awesome stuff. There's also been a very interesting influx of listens from Saudi Arabia lately, which is incredibly interesting timing relative to everything that's going on in Saudi Arabia or relative to the, um, the involvement that the Saudis may have had uh, in the killing of a, of a journalist from the Washington Post, I believe, who was living here in the States. Um, and the fact that Turkey was number two for a while, there's a little bit of beef with Turkey and Saudi Arabia and the U.S. I don't know why y'all are listening. Maybe it's just a coincidence. I think it probably is, but a weird coincidence nonetheless. Um, needless to say, though I do enjoy traveling, um, 
I don't plan to do any live pods from Saudi Arabia, but for those of you listening there, we're glad you are. Period. End of story. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, the last time we're out, the last freestyle out, we had our buddy Dan Rettle join us, talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost, um, at the time they were 4-4 four and four in a bye week, they've lost subsequently to the Cowboys, they're 4-5, and five, and they're now playing the New Orleans Saints. And it's the beginning of the game. I'm watching it right now as I do this pod. I'm not sure how they're going to do today, but I do think uh, that the Saints, and I'll get to them in a minute, have a really good team. So the Eagles could be 4-6 and six at the end of this, or they could be 5-5 five and five and very much still uh, clawing back and alive. But you know the Birds fans, the Eagles fans, come out in droves when the filibuster freestyle talks Eagles because Ambler, Pennsylvania, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and Philadelphia – were three out of the top four American cities listening um, in the last week. Mountain View, California was number three. So the Philadelphia area was one, two, and four. So, you know, we like Eagles talk on the freestyle. So thanks to our buddy Dan Ruddle, who I'm sure is fairly frustrated right now watching uh, this game as the birds again are down by a score of, I think, 10 to nothing in the first. Anyway. What else did I get? Oh, yeah, yeah. So relative to Turkey listening, Istanbul, the capital, also known as Constantinople to some of you, Ankara and Izmir are all cities that round up the top, uh, kind of the top 10 cities listening last week. So a lot of action in Philadelphia, a lot of action in Turkey. Pretty amazing. Um, all right, I got a hot take on one of the podcast. So the podcast is not turning 40. Podcast is turning four in January. But you know who is turning 40 in January? The aforementioned New Orleans Saints quarterback, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is 39 years old, just like I am for the moment. And in early January, mid-January of this coming year, 2019, Drew Brees will turn 40 as well. And that means that if the Saints make the Super Bowl, which they could this year, they're 8-1 or 9-1 right now, 8-1 I think, officially, We'd have two straight years of two different 40-year-old quarterbacks start in the Super Bowl. And I'm not sure if Peyton Manning was officially 40 or not when he started for the Broncos in Super Bowl 50, but he was definitely in the ballpark. So turning 40 isn't so bad, at least if you're an NFL quarterback. And again, I don't know yet, so I can't really tell you what it's like. Though I'm pretty sure I know what it feels like because I'm very close. But anyway, I think it's going to happen. I think bold prediction number one today, I think... The New Orleans Saints, if everybody stays healthy, all things being equal, are probably going to make the Super Bowl this year. And I don't understand one thing about Drew Brees, and I, I don't really need to about Drew Brees. It's more about people's perception of Drew Brees. How come nobody gives him the same ageless wonder credit that they give Tom Brady? And I'm a Patriots fan. I've been a Patriots fan for a very long time. Some would say 39 years, but I don't remember the first few. And I also remember at like age five, I was a huge Dan Marino fan and kind of like the Dolphins. That has subsequently changed dramatically. Anyway, very much of a digression here. Um, Drew Brees is like five foot 11. He's listed as six feet tall. Anytime people list you as six feet tall, what they're pretty much saying is you're 5'11. Because if he was six feet tall, they'd call him 6'1. Tom Brady's like 6'5, 6'4. So Drew Brees is basically a year younger. He's like five inches shorter. And what he's doing and has always done is amazing. Now, the winning has not been as um, consistent, clearly, as the Patriots. But the fact that Drew Brees is on the precipice of 
being on a top end of NFC seed and maybe going to the Super Bowl at age 40, I just don't get why he's not getting the same love as Tom Brady. And I don't mean as a winner. I just mean as a 40-year-old killing it. Obviously, I'm very sensitive to 40-year-old success right now. Let me get a drink of water real quick. Unofficial sponsor of the week, as I clank my glass down, is uh, Trader Joe's Raspberry Lime Soda Water. Sorry, Club Soda. No, soda water. Doesn't matter. It's seltzer. Who cares? All right. I'm going to hit you with a couple quick takes and a couple, one longer take that I actually was in San Diego, California with my buddy from Walpole, Mass, who lives there now, Joe Brady. And Joe Brady and I were talking, and he knows that my day job involves being around college athletics a little bit. And he was asking me, what do I think is going to happen to the NCAA? And it's very, it makes sense that he asks right now. One, it's the college football, college basketball kind of crossover season. In fact, I literally was in Charleston, South Carolina. Actually, listen to this really quickly. This explains the crossover season. Friday, November 9th, I was in North Carolina to attend a college basketball game for work. I got on a plane the next morning at 7.30 to fly to San Diego to watch a college football game for work. I then came back to Charlotte briefly on Wednesday and then went to Charleston, South Carolina to watch basketball games for work, to attend basketball games, I should say, on Thursday and Friday, and then yesterday back in the Charlotte area for a college football game. So five contests... Two sports, one ranging as far away as San Diego, California. So anyway, post that game, I'm with my buddy, my, with my buddy Joe Brady. He's asking me about the NCAA, and again, it makes sense. It's crossover season, and the NCAA and people paying players or not paying players or exploitation of players not getting paid, etc. It's a huge topic. It's a hot topic, and it comes up at least twice a year. Once usually right around now, crossover season, and once right around March Madness. So... That is also timed with Jay Billis, the ESPN commentator, who he talks about restructuring college basketball all the time. And what he wants to really do is take out amateurism, um, which means pay the players directly as employees of said school. And I kind of wanted to just take, my, take that to task a little bit, or at least make some comments and observations on the idea of taking amateurism out of college athletics. Okay, if we take out amateurism and pay these people, or some of these people, obviously, because you're not going to pay every college athlete, you're probably going to pay like 2% of them, frankly. If we take out amateurism, number one, what happens to the maximum years of eligibility? Because right now you're allowed to play four years, and you've got basically five years to do it. And sometimes, due to extenuating circumstances, you can get a medical redshirt, a rare sixth year of eligibility, but essentially, you've got five years to play four. If we get rid of amateurism, number one change I think you're going to see is uh, if people can't go get drafted, you know, you get the, the one and dones right now. And frankly, you probably should just go back to letting high school kids who are really good go to the draft. But anyway, won't there probably be people who at the end of year four, they realize I'm not going to go pro, but I'm getting paid pretty good money to be a fake college player? Shouldn't, like, why can't I come back? Won't there be a lawsuit of somebody saying that's ageism because you're not allowed to play? Because, again, the, 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 there's so many dumb rules, or, or not even dumb, there were so many inane or arcane or just very delicate, oddly, oddly constructed rules in the NCAA. Sorry I said dumb. That wasn't fair. 
But a lot of these rules have come about over the last hundred years in really interesting fashion. Let's leave it at that. Isn't somebody due to try to, to sue the NCAA for not letting people play beyond their eligibility? Because if they're not amateurs, then why do we even have years of eligibility? If they're employees of the school, I'm an employee of the school. They don't tell me, hey, it's been four years. Sorry, dude. You use your eligibility. So number one, that's a, that's a change that I don't think Jay Billis and others are thinking about. I don't think it's insurmountable. I just think that someone should point it out. Um, because you can't tell employees are too old. <laughs> That's a big problem in America. Another thing that Jay Billis wants to do is downsize the number of schools, the number of programs in Division I athletics. Okay, my take on this is then many of the average teams in like the Power Five conferences, let me back up, there's about 66 to 70 schools that I think Billis is advocating Become the new Division One, and then you slide a bunch of the other three hundred division schools that division three hundred division three. My goodness, a lot of numbers. There's about three hundred fifty Division One programs right now. He's saying sixty to seventy will become Division One, and the remainder of D one, which is like it's a three fifty total, so call it two eighty. Slide down to Division Two or become like a new division or whatever. He doesn't care. All Jay Billis cares about is the Power Five. As the freight train goes by the house. Problem with Jay Billis's theory is that when his beloved Duke football, because he's a Duke grad, is no longer able to play three or four games a year out of their conference and hopefully schedule a few wins and become bowl eligible and go six and six or go seven and seven and five or maybe eight and three and four, whatever, if they're just playing each other, if, if Boston College and Duke and Northwestern and Vanderbilt Washington State in some sports, if the schools that are always in the middle to the bottom of their current Power Five conferences can't fatten their stats, pad their stats against the rest of Division I, then what you have is haves and have-nots in your new Division I. And then what are we going to do, Jay? Cut it down to 30 schools because like, we have 30 pro sports teams? Then are we going to cut, you know, cut it down to 16? The point is... As soon as you cap a number smaller, the people who are in the middle or the top third automatically go to the bottom third or the bottom. So I just don't know if it's actually as good for business as you think, as opposed to all 60 or 70 of those teams ranging from fairly okay to pretty good to really good to great. Because some of those pretty good to to fairly okay are going to be horrific and not so great. Okay. What next? Okay, sure. Downsizing makes college athletics into more of the minor leagues. Because if 351 schools or whatever don't have access to Division I, it basically becomes a minor league for professional sports. And Americans don't like minor league sports in mass. They certainly don't invest in them in mass. Um, sponsorship numbers are lower. Television numbers are obsolete. And... Costs of tickets are very, very low. Now, I understand there's a lot of history and a lot of money and a lot of built-in existing mature fan bases for the top echelon of college athletics. So they'll be off to a better start than a lot of minor league baseball teams or minor league hockey teams, for instance. However, still think America as a whole, Madison Avenue, people in cities, just frankly, my dear, don't give a damn about minor league sports, which is what this becomes if you downsize it to 30-something teams, in my opinion. 
I think, again, college basketball is an open entry national championship. The best thing it has going for it is that any of those 351 teams now here in November could win the national championship. They probably won't. There's probably five programs that can and will. But the dream being alive is something that is very American, which is why you know, a lot of Americans don't vote their own financial interest because they hope and think one day maybe they could be a millionaire. So they want the millionaires to make, make sure millionaires are doing okay now in case they become one. Americans are aspirational. Cutting a bunch of the schools out of it, I think, actually kills the brand in March Madness. Um, what else have I got? I think the only good way to potentially do this, and this brings me back to my conversation with my buddy Joe Brady, would be for the NCAA, at least Division One, but you could look at Division Two and beyond, to adopt the soccer style, the European soccer style promotion and relegation. So you would still do March Madness. It would still be open entry. Just like the FA Cup in England is open entry. In, the, in, in England, there are like 11 or 13 levels of professional and semi-professional soccer. And everybody can move up and down that ladder in theory if they have the right players and they win enough games. and they kinda, But in addition to the ability to move up and down, everybody who wants to, who meets the certain minimum criteria, can enter the FA Cup, which is a gigantic, like 730-team single elimination tournament. And the bigger clubs don't come in until like the fourth or fifth round. So most of these clubs eliminate each other before anything happens. But the fact of the matter is they still have the open access to win the FA Cup. And so I think with, with the NCAA, what Jay Billis's idea is, I, I don't like just cutting out the top 70 teams and making a new thing. But what I do like is the top 70 teams, the top 70 schools, the top 70 slots are up for grabs. And those who come in at the bottom of the Pac-12, the bottom of the SEC, the bottom of the Big Ten, they go down to a regionally based conference like the Mountain West or the Sun Belt or the MAC. And so it gives schools that are having great years like the University of Central Florida a chance to move up to, say, the SEC or the ACC. But then a school that's having a terrible year, like Arkansas football, goes down. And what's crazy is, if you did it sport-based versus university of blank-based, you could have Arkansas basketball in the SEC for basketball, but their football team can get relegated. I think then you've got a little bit of what Jay Billis wants, but I think you've got a way more compelling thing. And it's still technically open access. I just think it's great. Or it's a great take. And that's a lot of credit there to my man Joe Brady, frankly, which is why I'm saying it's a great take, because it's not necessarily my take. Uh, it's a take, take we came up with very much together over like a fantastic brick oven pizza in San Diego. Unbelievable. Place of the name escapes me. Name of the place escapes me. And the place of the name. Place of the name. Fake band name of the week. What else we got? Okay. I know a lot of people are probably saying... Well, first of all, let me go back to that FA Cup idea. If we went that way, we could actually expand March Madness, which a lot of basketball fans or coaches, I should say, want. But we could do it in a way that doesn't, you know, it basically would give a lot more access to the big time teams without cutting out the little guy. Anyway, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying in your head, which is what about the student athletes? It's not fair. They don't get paid. Totally agree. However, I think the easiest way to do it 
is to solve it like any good capitalist would. And that is, very frankly, they get to profit from their likeness, period. Open markets decide what they are worth. If they want a salary, they should be able to play overseas in a professional league, play in the NBA's G League, which is now going to start playing guys 125000 bucks a year. Because they don't have to go to college. The NBA should let, let, let them in at 18, for instance, if they can play, whatever. If they sign an agent or not, if they don't get drafted, they should be able to go back to college, which would be a big change. But the biggest change is just saying, hey, if the fourth string left tackle on Alabama can make money pitching for the local Papa Gino's, they don't have Papa Gino's in Alabama, the Papa John's Pizza Hut, good for him. He probably can't, but good for him. But if the starting left tackle for Alabama can, and he probably will be able to do that if we allowed this, then good for him. And then you don't have to worry about who's going to pay what, or are you going to pay this sport or that sport, or just start, starters get paid but subs don't, or whatever. Just let the open market handle it. Let third party, let third party investment handle it. Just seems oversimplified, but it seems like the way things work right now. There are a lot of starving artists. There are a lot of podcast hosts. There are a lot of singer songwriters. There are a lot of movie producers or aspiring movie producers, aspiring actors. Some of them make $20 million a film. Some podcast hosts get paid lots of money from sponsors. Some of them have a running bit called unofficial sponsor of the week, but they still do it. They're still podcasting. So these guys playing football or basketball or whatever, gals, whomever, baseball players, women's field hockey, women's volleyball, whatever you want. If somebody wants to pay them for their likeness, somebody wants to pay them to sign autographs, somebody wants to pay them to make a public appearance, go for it. But take the NCAA out of that one. Just let them do it. They're 18 years old plus. They can make a a good deal or not a good deal for themselves. They can hire a business agent if they so choose. But most likely, 95% of them are going to be like the starving artist, the aspiring actor who's waiting tables, the podcast host who works a day job. So just let them do it. But also, the market will take care of those who warrant it, and the rest of them will be really much more appreciative, I'd imagine, of potentially getting a scholarship and getting a free education. Take another drink of water real quick. I hate to narrate that, but one, it's a sensitive mic and you probably can hear me, and which might be gross. Sorry. And two, that, you know, that awkward silence, while nice, might as well let you know what's going on. Okay, I'm almost done here, but a couple things. Um, okay, really quickly. For those of you who have Instagram accounts, every once in a while, depending on who you follow, or if you follow some of the more like pithy, well-known, like Insta Single or Barstool Sports, like you know, they, they usually have good little memes. But sometimes it's it's a meme that says something along the lines of uh, you know, like a 23 year old is saying, you know, they're giving sage drinking advice to their 19 year old selves. And again, I opened this podcast talking about being 39 on the on the cusp of 40. But they'll say something like, "Me at 19 versus me at 23." Listen, if you have lost that much of a step in drinking between 19, when it was illegal for you, and 23, you're doing it wrong. The only thing that should slow you down from partying, if you really want it, between whenever you start drinking, hopefully at 21, obviously, anyway, until whenever is like 
the age of 27. The only thing that should slow you down before you turn 27 is a lack of money and or having a child or other responsibility that's more important. So if you have the money and no other responsibilities and you're saying that 24-year-old you is a shadow of your 20-year-old self, you are doing it wrong. If you can't find that extra gear, you're doing it wrong. Once you turn 27, you can start to complain a little bit about being hungover. And then every three years after that, it gets worse and worse and worse. Take it from me. As Mike Gundy once said, I'm a man. I'm 40. And I'm almost 40. And next time I'm on here, I'm definitely, probably for the entire year next year, here's a little preview for you. Whenever I want to make a point, starting the next podcast I do on the freestyle, I'm probably going to take the Mike Gundy uh, <laughs> The Mike Gundy idea and just yell, I'm a man, I'm 40, into the microphone. Get ready for plenty of that. Maybe not. We'll see. Okay. Completely switching gears. You know the very, very famous Biggie Small song, Mo Money, Mo Problems with Mace, and at the time Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Sean Combs, a.k.a. Diddy. Well, he has that line, which is like, Gats and holsters, girls on shoulders, right? And I was at a football game, aforementioned, the aforementioned game out in San Diego, and, you know, it's a rap song. And they didn't edit any of the swears out, which is fine. But then they edited out the word gats. And gats is obviously a slang term for, like, a gun, you know, a 9mm, whatever, a handgun. Why can't Biggie say gats in holsters without getting edited? But basically anybody can go and buy a gat. I mean, the country, clearly, at least many people who are involved with the NRA especially, love guns. And they don't allow any censorship of the right to buy a gun. So I can't imagine why they're okay with allowing censorship talking about guns in a pop song. I just think it's kind of silly. Here's an idea coming up in the next month or two in the freestyle. Best rock or pop songs featuring bagpipes. Here are a couple ideas for you to marinate on before I do a a deep dive with the crack research team. ACDC is a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Obviously, Dropkick Murphy's shipping up to Boston. Steve Winwood, back in the high life again. Those are three that come to mind right away. The So I Married an Axe Murderer version of Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart is not going to count, but it's a great version, great cover of that song. And then Amazing Grace, I'm not going to allow. It's not fair. Amazing Grace is a bagpipe song. It's best played with bagpipes. Unfortunately, usually at solemn occasions. But I'm not going to let Amazing Grace in that race because I just think it's, it's, it's a, it would be at a whole other level. But we're going to be doing this pretty soon on the pod. The best rock pop songs featuring bagpipes. Um, I want to give a little shout out really quickly to everybody out in California. I was just there. I did not notice a lot of the wildfire stuff when I was in San Diego, but I did spend about 48 hours or so in Los Angeles. And Malibu, which is right north of Los Angeles, um, has not done well. Shout out to everybody who's out there who is hopefully uh, okay and those who obviously aren't in terms of their homes. You know, we're thinking about you, and obviously there are many people missing. There are people who've lost their lives. It's pretty sad. It's incredibly sad. It's pretty. Well, it's incredibly sad that it happened. It's pretty sad. Some of the things that are coming out of Washington D.C. commenting on it. That's pretty sad. Um, or hashtag sad to quote a famous Twitterer slash leader of ostensibly this country. Sorry, but when you say things to blame the Forestry Service, when people have lost their lives, their homes, their livelihoods. Just another example of being pretty tone deaf. Uh, sorry to get political, but I'm turning 40, so it's probably only going to get worse. Um, just kidding, maybe. Anyway, to those out there on the West Coast, obviously the Bay Area too, and even up and way north in California, 
Uh, Filibuster Freestyle is thinking about you all. Anyway, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Freestyle is not turning 40, but it will be turning four soon. I'm turning 40 soon. Drew Brees is turning 40 soon. And to anybody out there who is also turning 40 soon, big ups to you. We will talk to you soon. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody from the Filibuster Freestyle.